our hopes are hanging in the balance as we leave it to the last game before the split for any hope of a top six place. With seven teams still in contention and three places up for grabs, we have all the calculations as to what needs to happen this weekend for the coveted league slots and any chance of European football next year. Off the back of that, our match against Dundee was frustrating with defensive misgivings and poor refereeing. We hear from Jim Goodwin following the match. Aberdeen women were in quarter-final cap action against Celtic on Sunday and we look back at their first league match at Petaudry against Rangers and their match against Spartans. We've got reaction from Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath and before all that, we catch up with Lauren Campbell on her football journey. Plus, we have the normal SPFL roundup from the weekend, more Scottish football and supporters news on the AFC Donscast on Sunday the 3rd of April. And welcome back to the AFC Donscast. It's Graham here with all your latest Dons news, catching off guard a wee bit with a Sunday edition. Starting off with our crucial match against Dundee on Saturday, and the Dons went ahead twice, only to lose a grip on their lead in the dying moments of the game. In the first half, Connor McLennan sent a swerving 25-yard strike shattering against the bar, with David Bates's header then tipped over by Dundee goalkeeper Ian Lawler. Christian Ramirez was thwarted by Cami Kerr's goal-line clearance after Lawler could only parry a Ramsey drive. And just as Dante looked set to hang on level until half-time, Calvin Ramsey gave us some hope. The full-back cut in from the right onto his weaker left foot and fired a drive just inside the near post. Dundee's best chance had fallen to Mullen, who trickled a shot at Joe Lewis and drilled narrowly over. Paul McGowan also curled one too high, summing up Dundee's efforts as Lewis wasn't called upon until picking the ball out of the net. Charlie Adam, with virtually his first touch, sent a deep free kick to the back post, where McGee squeezed a header in at the near post for his first goal of the season. Aberdeen regrouped and piled forward in search of a winner. We thought we had found it when Johnny Hayes fired the ball towards the box. Marley Watkins nodded on and McCrory slid in an angled finish, making it 2-1. But our defending was shocking as we again came undone at an Adam set piece, with Madeline allowed far too much space to glance a header beyond Lewis. Watkins twice came close to restoring Aberdeen's lead in a dramatic finale, but Dundee clang on for the point. Jim, how disappointing is that? Yeah, extremely, Rob. Um, disappointing and, and very frustrating. Um, you know, we've done enough. I felt in that game to, to win. We had um, numerous chances, um, over 20 goal attempts, uh, eight or nine of those on target. We've hit the bar in the first half. We've had one cleared off the line from Christian Ramirez, um, and we had ourselves in front on two occasions, and that should have been enough to win the game uh, this afternoon. Unfortunately, two key moments in the game have cost us dearly. Um, you know, we shouldn't be conceding from the two set plays the way we did, albeit the first one for me, you know, should never have, uh, have got to the point where Dundee get the free kick because, you know, Charlie Adams clearly struck Lewis Ferguson in the face on, on two occasions in that particular moment. John Beaton's got a great view of it and um, he's got to stop the game, give us a foul and possibly book Charlie Adams, but he allows the game to play on, give away a soft free kick and then we don't deal with it. 
Yeah, I mean, both free kicks. How do you, how do you review the, those two Dundee goals? I mean, who, who, who should be taking responsibility, or is it a collective? No, listen, I don't like pointing the finger at any individuals. I mean, I think both free kicks are very soft. I think if you watch them back, you know, Declan Gallagher's out in the wide area, but, you know, Dundee guy makes a real meal of a, a slight touch on the shoulder and throws himself to the ground. Um, the second one, Charlie Adam uses experience. Marley Watkins bumps him and he goes over and he gets the free kick. But we know the quality that, that Charlie has got from those dead ball situations, you know, and that's what he brought to the game when he came on. Um, but as a group, you know, I just said that to the players in there, somebody needs to take responsibility. You know, we, um, as a team, you know, the nearest man to it needs to be going and getting their head on that ball. And unfortunately, the Dundee guy has done it on two separate occasions and that's what's cost us today. I know your point is that Aberdeen could have scored more goals today, but, but two goals should have been enough. And especially when you get one on 81 minutes, you're, you're thinking at that stage you can manage the game out, presumably. Yeah, absolutely. We scored a good second goal. Ross McCrory done really, really well uh, at the edge of the box and you know got a tidy finish into the bottom left corner. And yes, that should be enough. You know, We should manage the game a lot better than at that particular moment. Um, we didn't, you know, and that's the bottom line. But if you don't take the chances you know, when they come along, as I said, I think we should have been three or four goals to the better um, before we even get into that situation. Um, so, look, anything I say here, it'll sound like excuses, and I'm, I'm not one for making excuses. You know, there was an awful lot of um, things going on within the game that I could point out. I mean, the pitch was a disgrace, in my opinion. It was shocking. It didn't make for any kind of spectacle at all. Balls bobbling around all over the place. You know, we Vinny is through on goal, um, beats the defender, and because of the state of the pitch, you can't get control of the ball. But these are all things that we could point to. The fact of the matter is, we've not won the game today because we've not took responsibility in those two key moments where the cross comes into our box. We've got to be better in those situations. We can talk about referees' decisions all we want. We've got to take more responsibility there. The only good news is that uh, there, there is still a chance of top six next weekend. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if we won the game today, then it would be in our hands next week. You know, we would have been sitting in the top six just now, and knowing if we went and beat Ross County, it was all done. The fact is, we still need to go and beat Ross County and hope then that Hibs don't win their game. Um, you know, Hearts will be desperate to get a, a victory against uh, against Hibs, no doubt, in the Edinburgh Derby. Um, you could say the Hearts are probably the favourites going into it, but you know, it's one of those games that can go either way. All we need to do right now is uh, is dust ourselves down after this afternoon. We can't feel too sorry for ourselves next week. We've got to go and work hard, prepare properly and, um, and put a team on the park that's going to give us the best opportunity of taking maximum points. Hoping for a, for a great turnout next weekend. There was a great turnout this weekend, wasn't there? 3,500, best part of it. Uh, who got a great view of Ross McCrory's goal, uh, great celebrations and they were hoping at that stage, obviously, as we all were, that that was the winner. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm sure they all feel just as flat as myself, the staff and the players do right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, they, they've been brilliant since I've came in. Um, and today it was, it was remarkable. It gives me a, a real understanding of the, the size of the club that I'm at when you see that kind of travelling support. Um, you know, three and a half thousand of them to come down from Aberdeen to get behind the team in the manner that they did. It was absolutely brilliant. I wish we could have sent them away with, uh, with all three points in the bag. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. But Please God, uh, they'll all come out in great numbers next weekend, get behind the team the way that they did, and, and hopefully we can go and secure top six. Yeah, let's hope for the best next weekend. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Rob. 
Okay, here's the calculations. With seven teams still in contention for the three top six places available, it's all to play for this weekend. Dundee United look secure. A draw in the derby with bottom club Dundee at Tannadice on Saturday would get them over the line on 41 points. And the only way Thomas Courts's side can miss out is if they lose. Hibbs and Ross County both win, and there's a winner in the Livingston versus Motherwell game, along with a goal difference swing. The meeting of Aberdeen and Ross County, who sit ninth and 7th, has lined up to be a cracker. Both teams need victory, and for Hibs to fail to beat Hearts. A win for Manuel, currently 5th, will do the trick. A draw will be enough, it should Hibs or County fail to win. However, victory will be no easy feat on the artificial pitch at Livingston, who must win themselves to have a chance after dropping from 6th to 8th after their match at the weekend. David Martindale's side would also require Hibs and County both not to win. Hibs are sixth, but in a rather sticky spot, chasing three points at Tynecastle in the Edinburgh Derby. A draw would be enough if none of the teams below them win, but that requires Aberdeen and County to also share the spoils. And St Mirren, who host Rangers on Sunday, look all to be condemned to the bottom half of the league. They have to hammer the champions to improve the second-worst goal difference in the division and hope Hibs and Livingston lose, while Aberdeen and County draw. Catch live audio and video of our next match only on Red TV. Subscribe now for full match day coverage, replays, highlights and all the goals, exclusive interviews and behind the scenes content. Sign up now at redtv.afc.co.uk. The best of the action only on Red TV. Ahead of their homecoming match at Pataudry, AFC women defender Lauren Campbell spoke to Red TV about her football journey. We haven't picked the nicest day for it in terms of wind. I think our hair is going to be blowing everywhere. But um, you're going to tell us just a little bit about your footballing journey. So when, can you remember when you first started playing football? When was the first time you kicked a ball? Yeah, no, I can't remember that, to be honest. That's <laughs> too probably, far back. Yeah, too far back. Shows uh, how long I've played football for. Um, I had four boy cousins and they all played football. Um, I went out on the street and played football with everybody. Um, my neighbours and everything. And they gave me um, hand-me-down football boots. And I think that's the... The first memory I can of um, playing football I have. Um, and then from there on, I was lucky enough that I got to play with the boys at my primary school. And um, for being so far back, then my primary school actually had a good old football team as well, so I got involved with that quite early on as well. Is that quite different for back then to have a separate boys and a girls team? Yeah, I mean, there was like uh, girls football at school, but it wasn't, you know, mass. Not every school had one, so yeah, I suppose I was quite fortunate that my school did have um, a girls team at the time. And it was Port Lethen, was it, that you grew up in? Or? Yeah, I grew up in Port Lethen and I went to Fisher Moss Primary, um, so played for Port Lethen Sports Club and then Fisher Moss um, girls team. And can you remember the first time you came across Aberdeen or Aberdeen ladies when you? Yeah, I was playing for Port Lethen and we'd managed to set up our own girls team at the time there. Um, so we were playing Aberdeen in the league and I think we got scalps. 8-1, 10-1, something like that, but the one uh, was my goal, which to be fair nowadays would be rare, um, so I must have played alright and then the next week they sort of got in touch and I've just been at Aberdeen ever since. Can you remember that moment when you signed for Aberdeen, even though it was Aberdeen ladies and being a young age, was it still quite a, a proud moment? Yeah, definitely, like if, if you're a good player, they were the team that always, you know, won the league every year and dominated sort of in our area, so it's always nice to be asked and then nice to, to go and see that you, you can fit in and get a game, it was good. And how was it growing up playing football as a girl? Did you ever come across any anyone making any funny comments or anything like that or was it, or was it all fine? <laughs> 
I was the girl that played football yeah. at school, yeah. if that's what you yes, mean. But yes. um, <laughs> no, the boys in my um, school, they always wanted um, me to play with them or I played in PE. So they were actually really nice, um, to be honest. Probably had the odd comment, you know, you're a girl, you play football. But that was just kind of my identity at school was the girl that played football. And then you joined Aberdeen Ladies, what age did you say you were around about then? Um, it must have been 10. about primary six or primary ten six. maybe, yeah. And you were with them all the way up pretty much through to... Yeah, pretty much had a couple of you know, spells away with work and things like that, but yeah, pretty much been at the club since, since that age. And is there a few of the girls who you've come up from Aberdeen Ladies that are now playing still, or you were around anyway, maybe not in the same age group, but you're aware of? Yeah, yeah, well, I've got friends for life through football, and a lot of them have come through all the way through these systems with me to, to adult football. Um, we're not all maybe together at Aberdeen now, but we're all still involved in the game, which is really nice. And growing up playing football, was it just for Aberdeen ladies or would you play for the school as well or was that not such a thing? Yeah, when I was younger, um, I played like primary school football and then like for under 13s um, on different days. I think it was a Saturday and then a Sunday um, and then kind of phased out um, that and I took Aberdeen quite um, more seriously and it got um, more training nights, etc. So then just kind of smoothly transferred over to Aberdeen. And was it always football or was there ever anything that... Uh any other sports that caught your attention? Yeah, nah, just, just definitely just, just football. Yeah, I was like at school, always good at PE and like general sports. But yeah, football was just the one for me. And you played for Scotland as well at a couple of different age groups. Yeah, I was lucky enough to play um, Scotland sort of youth level uh, football under seventeens and under 19 so it's always you know nice to play for your country what's that moment like representing scotland yeah it's massive you know you know you're like the best of that age group um, i was lucky enough to go a few folk from my team and um, my friends as well and um, yeah they've been friends for life since and yeah looking back i think when you're younger you maybe don't appreciate what it is but looking back it was a massive achievement talking about traveling as well you played in the gothia cup as well yeah how was that yeah, that was really good. We went back um, for two years, actually, because the, the first year was, was brilliant. Um, I think if you're involved with youth football, it's something I would definitely say. Um, go for it. Opens your eyes to how much people um, play football. And for us, it was to expose to see how many girls teams there was around the world, you know, not just in Scotland or in England. So, yeah, it was a really good experience. And what's it like, even at that age, playing against different teams that you wouldn't come up against in and around Aberdeen and testing yourself against different players? Yeah, it's an eye-opener. I think, like, when you go to the Gothia Cup, you can play, like, three games in one day. So I remember playing, like, Americans in the morning, Iceland during the day, and then Germany, like, in the evening, just totally different styles of football, um, opening your eyes to, like, playing players that really, really want to win, that'll nip you, that'll battle you, that'll foul you. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good, especially when you're a youth player, just to experience that. And is there anyone who you've come up against when you're younger who's gone on and to made a name in the professional game? Um, yeah, like when obviously playing um, youth international football, I've played like against Jordan Nobbs um, for England, some of the German players. Um, I was lucky enough to go to regional squads with um, Kim Little um, and I've played against Aaron Cuthbert. So yeah, I think touched on a lot of good Scottish talent, um, which unfortunately I've just played against and probably been beaten by. <laughs> and we've ended up in the home dressing room now here at Pataudry. Have you ever been in before? Nope. 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 <laughs> never, never been in. Never been in. What's it like in the dressing room before the game when you're at the Balmoral Stadium or an away game? Is it quite lively or are you all quite relaxed? Yeah, no, we're like one big team, um, which is the truth at Aberdeen. I think we're all friends. It's all different age groups. Um, 
we like music. We've got our own team busker with disco lights on it, so that's um, a big part of match day warm-up and fighting over who who connects their phone to that and um, if it's an oldie or a youngie. But yeah, there's always um, good banter in our change rooms before the game. And there's a few dubious DJ choices at times I hear of music choices as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's even though it's dubious, it's just like my old generation doesn't even know what's on, so uh, we prefer sort of a slightly older player to to take control of that. <laughs> and you say about the older players and the younger players, there is a wee bit of an age gap in the team, but you do all seem to get on. Yeah, there's an age gap, I think, which is quite obvious between you know a group of players and then the younger ones, but I think maybe us older ones are we maybe immature for our age and they're mature, so that it seems to like bridge a gap. Um, I forget I'm 10, 15 years older than some of them, which is really quite nice because it shows how good um, they are on the pitch and in their social lives. And what's it like just that five minutes or so before kickoff? once you've done your warm-up and before you go onto the pitch? Who kind of says the last word? Is it Kelly as captain or is it Emma or Gav? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, we come together in the change rooms. We've got a one-team mantra, so um, Emma and Gav will speak uh, um, in the change rooms before we leave. Um, we go out into the tunnel, Kelly does the toss, and then we come together as a group of players um, collectively then just speak quickly before um, kick-off. So there's a bit of both, a bit with management and a bit with just players only. And yourself this season, you were captain for a few games at the start of the season with Kelly's injury. How did you find that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's nice um, to get that, but unfortunately I'm captain when Kelly doesn't play, um, so we'd rather have Kelly on the pitch. But yeah, it's nice to be acknowledged. It's nice to lead the team out. And um, yeah, it was a proud moment. We started the season on TV as well. So, you know, it was a lot of pressure, but yeah, I quite enjoy it. But yeah, definitely prefer when Kelly plays. <laughs> what type of captain are you? A shouter or are you more just lead by example? Yeah, I, I, I would say lead by example, but yeah, I'm probably a shouter. <laughs> I don't know if you've come to a few of our games. Um, I try to shout encouragement, though. You know, I don't like to get on players' backs. I don't think that helps anybody. So just trying to communicate as much as I can throughout the game. Right, we'll just head outside, pitch side. Growing up, who did you look up to as a, as a player that was playing? Was it, did you have any role models? Um, when I was younger, I actually used to play like Holden midfield. I used to watch uh, Makalele a lot for yeah. Chelsea. Um, yeah, like women's football wasn't massive at the time, so I can't really pinpoint um, a female footballer, but I suppose Julie Fleeting at the time she was kind of set in the way, not that she was in my position, but those were probably two players that I admired growing up. Is that something now you notice has changed with the exposure of the women's game, the amount of role models that there are for younger girls coming through? Yeah, definitely. I think um, people have now made it to professional football. You've got Evan Cuthbert playing for Chelsea, Kim Little Copton of Arsenal, so I think it's more visible now when maybe more relative to have um, a female footballer as like your idol. Um, whereas back in the day uh, when I played, yeah, okay, Kim had signed for Arsenal, but it wasn't really visible. Um, so it was still kind of men's football that I followed for sort of an idol. Is that something you notice as well, even with the exposure of the women's game and the more investment that's in the level of coaching that there is in the game now? Yeah, definitely. I think it's just excelled, isn't it? It's propelled um, very, very quickly. I think there was a few years where it was like, yeah, it's women's football, not a lot of investment. But I think like the last four or five years since the World Cups, um, they've been on TV. I think they just the the rate and the propulsion of like investment has gone massive, and it's nice to see. I'd like to probably be ten years old now. I think maybe you have a chance of having like a proper career out of it. So Lauren, you've been with Aberdeen and Aberdeen ladies all the way through. How are you finding life in SWPL1? Yeah, it's good, I think. Um, we've made quite a good account of ourselves this season. Um, there's a couple of games we were a bit frustrated with, um, but then we've beaten Hibs, which was maybe you know a bit ambitious as well. So I think we are probably where we want to be 
Um, as a team, we targeted fifth, I think, where we are now. We could maybe even target fourth. So I think it's really positive. Um, and yeah, I think we've come up and made a really good account of ourselves this season. Could you ever imagine yourself playing in the top league when you were coming through as a young girl? Um, yeah, like I came from sort of uh, Aberdeen under 70s and then they were already in the top flight. Um, so it was a massive jump at that point. Um, but the standard of football wasn't quite the same. Um, so since, you know, going down, getting relegated and coming back up, there's a massive difference. Teams are now professional. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm just used to it. But I suppose, yeah, it's actually a privilege to be able to, to play at this level. What differences do you notice playing in SWPL1 even from SWPL2 is it just the quickness and the physicality yeah I think like I say because teams are professional they train all the time um, physical quickness it's quite tactical the women's game as well if you've ever watched it um, I think yeah you know it's slightly slower less physical than the men's game but I think technically it, it is up there so it's slightly different um, type of football but yeah you can tell um, the teams that train full time unfortunately there's just a wee bit of a gap between sort of the top three and the rest at the moment but hopefully we can we can start to bridge that gap and is there anything you can do to bridge that gap as a part-time against the full-time teams even at the moment? I know you train on a Tuesday and a Thursday or is it just all, all about working hard and maybe hopefully catch them all on an off day? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it probably is luck, you know, for playing certain, certain big teams, I suppose. But bridging the gap, yeah, just... We take accountability for ourselves, you know, the team, we go to the gym ourselves, trying to do as much as you can, but yeah, I think there's just a wee bit of a limit, isn't there, for what you can do when you work nine to five, and then you maybe have to play that night or train that evening, whereas these girls, um, fortunately, just get to do it as their full-time job. Even saying they're travelling down to Glasgow or down to the Central Belt for a midweek game, as you're saying, you're working nine to five, and then having to get down and just, you maybe don't have as much time to prepare right before the game, you're just having to go out and play it can maybe be quite frustrating can it when you're away to play a full-time team yeah I think like I don't know any different <laughs> unfortunately I've never ever been full-time so yeah but um you do realize then like once you get there you're like oh yeah they are just you know a step ahead they've, they've prepared all day you're coming from work I think um it's resilience of the team to do it it's where we are at the moment but hopefully you know maybe that'll change in the future what are the big differences that you've noticed in terms of the women's game as a whole in Scotland as you've gotten older and come up through the, the ranks? Is it just the level of exposure and the coaching or is there, is there more to it? Yeah, I mean, that's the basis of it, isn't it? But I think uh, maybe just exposure, you know, like we've been to the World Cup now, I think the, the league's now to join with the SPFL, um, which is a professional body. So just the professionalism, every club stepped up. Um, it's not just, you know, Glasgow City led the way for a long time, but I think every team that's in SPL1 right now are very professional, you know, social media, preparation, gym training. I think it's, that's the main difference from when I started out to now. And that can only help, can it, going forward for the next 10 years and help grow the game as a whole? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it sets the standard, it raises the standard in Scotland, which I think is just good for the league, um, as first and foremost. But it raises like um, the standard of the national team as well. Hopefully that improves um, Scotland. Hopefully we can have better players playing in our league and then it also gives them that chance to potentially kick on. Um, to play maybe English football or an American football because at this type moment in time I would say the English game is, is at the highest point in women's football. And later this month, on March the 23rd, Aberdeen women are going to play the first ever game here at Pataudry against Rangers. How much are you looking forward to it? Yeah, i just delighted that it's happening. Um, I've been here at the club since I was 10. It's never happened. Um, it's actually happening, I think, is what I tweeted. Um, so, yeah, excited um, 
to walk out. I've not really, really thought about it yet. We've got a couple of games before that. But yeah, the excitement's building now that it's out on social media. Everybody's starting to know about it, being asked questions, how to get tickets, who's coming. So yeah, there's a real buzz, buzz about it that it's happening. And have you given it a moment's thought about being in this dressing room two, three minutes before kickoff? What what that feeling might be like stepping out onto Pataudry? Yeah, no, I've not thought about it. I think just trying <laughs> not to get ourselves nervous. Like you say, there's a couple of games before that. But yeah, looking and being in here now, it's a really nice setting, isn't it? So I think, yeah, it's a tough ask. We're playing Rangers here in midweek. But yeah, we'll give it our all and hopefully we can get a good result on the night. Have you got it in the back of your mind about not trying to pick up? any injuries beforehand or any stupid red cards so you don't miss out or is it just something you just try to forget about? Yeah, no, I've, I've been watching my bookings. Um, not that I'm totally dirty, but I was aware that <laughs> I was on a couple of bookings. So yeah, I've tried to, to be careful in the last few games. Um, silly red cards, hopefully that doesn't happen. But injuries, I think we've all just been trying to, to block it out. Um, nobody wants to miss Pataudry, but it's about getting those points on the board before we even get here. So yeah, I think if you think you're going to get injured, you might. So it's just the case of trying to play, play normally on the lead up to this point. Do you have any friends, family or workmates coming along? Yeah, definitely. Um, my dad and my boyfriend, they come every week to Cove, so they're definitely coming. Um, some of my friends are already season ticket holders, so they're coming had texts from workmates asking when it is and yeah just general good feedback on social media as well so I think there'll be a lot hopefully a good turnout on the night. Now it's officially announced and you're saying you're getting texts on your phone does it make you just feel look forward to that bit more now everyone knows and maybe that's maybe all people want to talk to you about? Yeah definitely I think um, maybe as pressure (laughs) I suppose but yeah like I think now like we've heard about it as a team for a while but you know it was never confirmed now it's out there it's happened and it feels like oh yeah okay actually we are playing at Pataudry Um, so yeah just um, there's maybe that added pressure that everybody knows about it now but it's just nice that it's happening. And you get a lot of young girls who come along to games at the Balmoral Stadium playing here at Pataudry them coming along that must be something great to feel like you're going to inspire the next generation. If they can see you out at Pataudry then in 10 years' time or whatever, then they think that could be me out there. Why not? Yeah, definitely. I think um, some of the crowds we've had at Balmoral have like, really surprised us um, in a nice way um, this far of the season. I think, to credit to the club, they make it free for under 12, so a lot of these youth teams come along and support us, and it's appreciated. It gets you through sometimes the final 10 minutes um, when you're going for goals or you're playing a hard team. So, yeah, for that same people to get to come to Pataudry and support us, I think it does inspire people. How can it not? How, if you're a little girl that wants to play football, why don't you want to play at Pataudry? I think it is the dream. So, yeah, it's nice to be part of that, that, that maybe inspires the next generation. And you talked about when you were younger, there wasn't really anyone to relate to so much as you were coming up. Now for these young girls, especially in the Aberdeen area, they will be able to relate to you saying these are girls who were, went to maybe the same school as me and now they're playing up Pataudry. Why, why can't it be me? Yeah, definitely. Like I say, like this, this didn't happen when I was younger, so I can't really you know, relate to having a female role model as such. So I think it's the same, isn't it? You have to see it to believe it. So I think that's nice that it's happening. And yeah, I think it can, it can only be inspiring um, despite the results, despite what happens. If you're a young footballer, you want to play for Aberdeen, you want to play at Pataudry. Um, so yeah, and it's a big part of that. It's about inspiring the next generation to keep football growing and to keep the Sanders being raised. And finally, just as a little girl who was growing up playing in the street in Port Lethen, do you think, could you have ever imagined stepping out onto the pitch at Pataudry, playing in the top league? in Scotland? No, um, that's, yeah, the truth is no. I just play football because I love football and um, I'm very thankful that it's kind of taken me to this position. So 
yeah, like I said, played here since sort of 10 years old, have been promised Batori potentially a few times, so for it to actually happen is, is massive, and yeah, I'm so excited for, for that game on the Wednesday night. Lauren, thank you so much for your time. All the very best of luck for the game here later on this month and for the rest of the season. Perfect, no worries, thank you. Well, Aberdeen put in a performance full of heart and determination at Pataudry the Wednesday before last as they went down 2-0 to title-chasing Rangers. Second-half goals from Kirsty Howitt and Kayla McCoy meant the points went back to Glasgow, but that didn't take the shine off the importance of an evening enjoyed by almost 2,000 fans. Having a big night at Pataudry tonight, defeat in the end, but I guess it was about more than the result at the end of the day. I think it was. It's been a, a fantastic night, I think, for everyone. The occasion, everyone's been looking forward to it and... I was just trying to embrace it and trying to engage it and get everyone to enjoy themselves. And I think you can see across the board, from us as coaches to players to supporters, everyone just had an absolute ball tonight. So it was it's a fantastic occasion. Yes, we've lost the game, but I think ultimately we did ourselves really proud. We were in the game, we managed to stay in it for as long as we possibly could. And it was a big, it was more than football tonight, it was more than a game of football. It was engaging everyone that was here, and I think it was 1800 or so that were in with a lot of young girls and a lot of young kids that will hopefully come to play for Aberdeen in the future as well. So, all in all, it was a really, really positive night. You could see how much it meant to the players at the end of the game there as well when they were up speaking to the fans in the stands and that's kind of a huge thing maybe going into the rest of the season as well that they can carry forward. It's a massive thing and there's players that are in tears, Emma's close to that as well. These girls have been here for a long, 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 long time and they've worked so hard to get to the stage and deserve the right to play in Pataudry against top players like Rangers in front of a big crowd. So, it's credit to them and it's what they deserve. The work that they've put in from them is starting years and years and years ago to get them where they are. It's fantastic. So they are proud and they should be proud. They're proud of the occasion because they've stood up and they've been brave and they've went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the country and they're putting a really, really good show. So, yes, they're happy. It's good to see them with family and friends and enjoying themselves at the end. Um, as Gav says, an emotional night as well for yourself. How are you feeling after that? Yeah, really emotional. And it didn't hit me until the, the final whistle had gone to see turn around and see so many people staying behind and just supporting and clapping our performance and it was special, it was special for so many of those players in that changing room that have dedicated so much time, sacrifices all their life really for football um, you know they don't you know they don't get money exchanged here they, they do it for pride and they do it for the love of the game and I think that's what's so special about tonight is, is that you can see that and I just want to say a massive thanks to everyone that turned up because that's what really made it special tonight and Gav's touched on it but the fans were absolutely brilliant and I know it wasn't the result we wanted but we wanted the performance and hopefully we did them, the people that turned up and all the fans proud tonight. It was great to see at the end of the game there, there was so much young girls in the crowd that were here for schools and football teams and things waiting behind at the end to speak to the players and that really is what tonight was all about in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it's massive and it's not just about the impact now, it's the impact this will have on us as a group of players. I think now we can look forward to the rest of the season, have a real buzz about this performance in particular, but the occasion, um, a real togetherness as well and yeah, the impact of many, many girls that have watched that live at Pataudry Stadium, you know, that hopefully will inspire them to you know, get back out in the garden tomorrow I'm sure the mums will be and dads will be getting the footballs out tomorrow and they'll get their posters up on the wall that is special and the impact will go on for not just you know days but months and years just on a personal note you've worked with some of those players for many years since they were really young how much did tonight mean to yourself 
absolute bursting with pride and we talked about that some I can name all of them all of them deserve a mention but Jess Broderick you know up against some of the best talent in Scotland international players and you know such a young player and and 1v1s was fantastic um, and we've got young Eva Thompson even AJ in goals as well um, so many to mention so many young players that have done so well so yeah and you can obviously hear them screaming and shouting in the background so yeah absolutely loving the occasion well done guys thank you Kelly, defeat on the night, but a special night nevertheless. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think actually, I mean, it went above and beyond what I expected. I think the crowd were absolutely phenomenal, and actually, like having them behind us was, you know, better than what I expected. It was such a good night, and I think to be fair to us, our performance, we came in at halftime thinking, you know, let's go for this. But unfortunately, in the second half, as you expect in games, it's opened up a bit, and we've lost two goals there. Actually, quite disappointing on our front, but you know. Um, obviously the first one's a bit of a deflection but the second one probably could have done better there So, but yeah, all in all, a really special night Rangers obviously had points to play for in terms of going for the title and there wasn't that kind of pressure on our players as well but as you say, the crowd really got behind the team from the start and also good to see so much young girls here tonight as well Yeah, incredible, Like I've just been speaking to them and signing stuff for them just now and yeah, I think you know. I think for them to be here and watch us, and as long as we're aspiring the younger generation, that's what I've signed up for. So, uh, yeah, really, really good. And tonight wasn't really about the result. At the end of the day, was it as disappointing as it is? It was about the kind of bigger picture and the kind of inspiring young players, as you say. Yeah, I think some people might be watching, saying, "Oh, Christ, why would you go into a game thinking that you're not going to win it?" But I think you know we've got to be realistic with our expectations. Rangers are an incredible outfit, and the girls that play for them deservedly so. They've worked hard to get where they are. But I think you know, although we didn't win, we're as I say, we're we're really chuffed with our performance in the end, um, and we worked our socks off. And just from a personal point of view, actually getting to play out at Petaudry, how big a deal was that for you tonight? Yeah, incredible. I think it's probably one of my career highlights. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's been really, really special, and I think everyone else would agree. Well done, guys. Cheers. Donna defeat in the end tonight, but tonight was about kind of more than just the result, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, tonight was huge. It was just about showing and coming in and showing the club and showing the fans and that what we can do. And I think we did well. I think we actually came out and if we were given a 2 0 defeat at the start compared to what we'd done last time against them, we would have bit somebody's hand off. So to come in and still be 0 0 at half time as well, I think we we defended really well right throughout the game. It was two two goals that probably could have been preventable, but here we are. We're still we're, we're still proud of the performance. Yeah, as you say, went in 0 0 at half time and really limited Rangers to very few chances in that first half. You must have taken great confidence at half time going in 0 0. Yeah, um, as a back line going in at half-time, no, no, it's, it's what you want. Um, Rangers are our top side, they're full-time, they're away to push Glasgow City for the for the league, so uh, no, massive, massive to go in at half-time, no, no, and uh, just a wee bit disappointed in the goals that we lost, but overall, happy enough. And how much does it mean for someone like yourself, an Aberdeen fan, to get the chance to go out there and play on the pitch tonight? Aye, massive, I think I'll sleep with a smile on my face for about a month. Nah, it's just like a dream, uh, especially with all the fans as well getting behind us and that. It's, it's what you want. It's what you play football for. It's hopefully it's it's going in the right direction as well with this club, and uh, I, I can't wait for the for the future. Just to this means a lot playing on this pitch and just being involved. It's great. There's a good crowd here and a noisy crowd as well, youngsters, and they all stayed behind at the end as well to applaud the players off and get autographs and things. How important is that for tonight? Yeah, as soon as we came out even to warm up, the crowd was going and it just gives you a buzz. It just, 
I actually said to Kelly um, that it was actually overwhelming. You actually felt a wee bit emotional, but for a for a good thing, uh, seeing all the fans cheering and even at the end, just them wanting you to sign their sign their bits of posters and stuff. It's it's just great. It's it's what you want. Uh, aye, I'm just I'm I'm chuffed. <laughs> and it should give the squad a, a good boost as well going into the kind of final part of the season. Back to the ball model at the weekend against Spartans and another tough game, but surely some confidence can be gained from tonight. Yeah, massively. Um, Spartans was close with Rangers just the other week as well, so I think looking into Sunday, it's going to be quite a probably a tough game. But we've bet them twice before, so there's no reason why we can't do it again. And we just need to knuckle down and take confidence from today, seeing that we can defend as a unit as well as we did, and then hopefully push for that attacking side to to win against Spartans. Oh yeah, well done, Dar. The Sunday before last, Aberdeen women were forced to settle for a share of the points after their match against Spartans women ended 1-0. Bailey Hutchison put the Dons in front early in the second half with her 18th goal of the season before Robin McCafferty equalised for the visitors who may feel well that they deserved more from the game. Emma, I won't draw today. A difficult kind of game. Yeah, difficult. Um, I guess we knew that at the start, though. We always knew that, you know, when these team two teams face each other, it's it can be stuffy and we cancel each other out. But I think from our perspective, I just never seen us. We just didn't get into the game at all. We just couldn't get a foothold into it. I felt in the first half, first twenty minutes, we were just terrible. I don't think we've played uh, any consecutive passes or keeping possession. Um, link up play in the final third wasn't good enough. I thought we grew into the game. Um, second half, there wasn't any tactical changes. It was just we just needed to be better on the ball. We just needed to be braver and, and look to, to play more football, sort of switch the play a lot more. Um, I think at times we did a little bit better, but I still think that, yeah, we just it wasn't our day today but if I think about the positives it's you know we've stayed in the game and, and you know we've kept it 1-1 which is good um, unfortunately just need to try and hold on to the lead once you get it um, I thought it was a soft corner to give away and then um, just didn't defend it very well at all so yeah disappointed with the goal that we lost but overall um, at least we're not leaving the game losing um, and we've got a point on the board and you know we've still got that distance between Spartans and that game in head so I think, yeah, on reflection, we've got a lot of work to do, but um, we can't be too despondent about the result. And today on Sunday, Aberdeen women's attention turned to our quarter-final cap match against Celtic at the Bermodal Stadium. Unfortunately, the Dons won't progress in the competition after goals from Shane just before half-time and Barty in the 58th minute made it a 2-0 loss and Celtic go through to the semi-finals. Once again, the maze was the focal point of a troubled peace process. Don't anyone ever bangs on about. We lived on the edge back then. We were young, wild, fearless. Drum roll, please, sister. Have you lost your actual mind? Hit it! How much longer are we going to ignore the elephant in the room? Where? You fail your DCSE, the school won't take you back. Just try to enjoy what time you've left, girls. Sorry, can nobody else hear the absolute racket you're making? Just breathing. It's anguish breathing, Jay. It is a bit oppressive, actually. Jerry! 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 Will someone call him? Jesus, I need some excitement. You call for a plumber? If you're that hot, you should at least have the common decency to be a bit thick. We don't need to be constantly supervised. First claim. I'm going to die virgin. That was always on the cards to be fair. The new series of Derry Girls coming soon on Channel 4. Stream series 1 and 2 free on all four. 
OK, let's catch up with the games from the SPFL over the weekend. And on Saturday, St Johnston moves six points clear of bottom club Dundee in the Premiership after a 1-0 win over Livingston at McDermott Park. Motherwell are up to fifth place thanks to a 4-2 win victory against St Mirren at Fir Park. And Dundee United are fourth following their 1-0 draw with Hibs at Easter Road. And Ross County threw 1-0 as well with Hearts in Dingwall. In Saturday's only championship game, Arbroath closed the gap on leaders Kilmarnock to four points with a 0-0 draw at Partick Thistle. Erdionians won 2-0 at bottom club East Five to move to within two points of League One leaders Cove Rangers, who faced Queen's Park at Fair Hill on Sunday. Third place Montrose were 3-0 winners at Falkirk, and Peterhead defeated Clyde by the same score at Broadwood. Dumbarton edged out Allo Athletic 3-2 in an incredible finish at the Indo Drill Stadium, with all the goals coming in the last eight minutes. And second place Annan Athletic won. 1-0 at Stenhouse Muir in League 2 while 4 for Athletic and 3rd triumph 2-0 at Stranraer. It finished 0-0 between Albion Rovers and Elgin City in Coatbridge and it was also goalless at Central Park where bottom club Cowdenbeath took on Sterling Albion. And on Sunday Rangers and Celtic were in action for the lunchtime kickoff at Ibrox and Celtic took the points in their 2-1 win. Jesus, this looks class. This Scottish drag queen takes on the entire English army. William Wallace wasn't a drag queen, Michelle. He's wearing a skirt and has a full face of foundation on him, James. Oh, sick. You dirty wee bastard. What kind of a animal doesn't rewind? Dennis, what are you doing here? I work here. No, you don't. I do. Since when? Jesus Christ, I was asked the last questions when I was interned. I don't think I've ever seen you outside of your wee shop. I didn't even know you had legs. He's going to get something or not? Uh, well, uh, uh, is there anything particularly you'd recommend, Dennis? No. Okay, well, we're just having a bit of a reading then. Bit of a read? This isn't the library, girls. It is a library, Dennis. It's, it's a video library. Hmm. Get out! <gasps> Ladies. What happened, sister? This? This is nothing. You should see the other guy. Right. Okay, let's catch up with the news then. And Mikey Devlin has had a fresh injury setback in his bid to return to fitness. He last featured in a match for the Dons on the 5th of December 2020 in our 1-0 draw with St Mirren. Jim Goodwin has confirmed Mikey is getting treatment for a further injury in training two weeks ago. Scotland have been drawn to face England, Iran and the USA if we reach the Qatar World Cup this year. The potential opponents were revealed at FIFA's draw in Qatar on Friday when the group stage lineups for the finals were confirmed. Scotland have yet to qualify for the tournament with Steve Clark's side still to learn the new date for their postponed playoff semi-final against Ukraine. But if we come through that and beat Wales in the playoff final, we'll be heading to the World Cup finals for the first time since 1998. The draw means that Scotland would play on opening day and that our final group game would be against England. Don's fan and international journalist Graham Hunter will host a series of In Conversation With interviews on Red TV. The aim is to continue to give fans an insight into what's going on at the club, from first team performance to recruitment to new initiatives to the new stadium and a look ahead to next season. First up is chairman Dave Cormack, who will be in conversation with Graham post-split. Graham will be discussing the current situation at the club, addressing the issues which are on most fans' minds. This will be followed by interviews with our manager, Jim Goodwin, and our director of football, Stephen Gunn. 
Aberdeen Football Club has taken a major step forward in its commitment to tackling climate change by signing up to the UN Sports for Climate Action framework. The club is joining a growing group of sports clubs, federations and other rights holders who are taking responsibility for and seeking ways to reduce their carbon footprint. By signing up to the framework, organisations commit to reducing emissions by 50% by 2030 and achieving net zero by 2040, aligning the club's ambitions with those of the city. Talks are underway with defender Andy Considine on a new contract. Andy has been fighting back from an eight-month layoff after suffering cruciate ligament damage last August. He was named on the bench for our last couple of matches as an unused sub, with a hope he'll be returned to the field for the league run-in. And Aberdeen have been linked with a move for yet another St Mirren player, this time for defender Charles Dan. According to the Daily Record, Jim Goodwin is keen to bring the 29-year-old to Pataudry. Dan is under contract with St Mirren until 2023, so a fee would need to be agreed with the club to bring the player to Aberdeen. And finally, goalkeeper coach Gordon Marshall and head of medical and football science Adam Stokes have both left the club. Marshall has been with the club since 2015, an appointment made by Derek McInnes, who replaced Jim Layton in the role. Former Motherwell physio Adam Stokes moved to the club in 2016 from Fir Park. The move allows Jim Goodwin to bring in his own support staff. Once again, the maze was the focal point of a troubled peace process. Don't anyone ever bangs on about. We lived on the edge back then. We were young, wild, fearless. Drum roll, please, sister. Have you lost your actual mind? Have it! How much longer? Are we going to ignore the elephant in the room? Where? You fail your GCSEs. The school will take you back. Just try to enjoy what time you've left, girls. I'm sorry, can nobody else hear the absolute racket you're making? Just breathing. It's anguish breathing, Jay. It is a bit oppressive, actually. Jerry! 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 Someone call him? Jesus, I need some segment. You call for a plumber? If you're that hot, you should at least have the common decency to be a bit thick. We don't need to be constantly supervised. Firstly, I'm going to die virgin. That was always on the cards to be there. The new series of Derry Girls coming soon on Channel 4. Stream series 1 and 2 free on all four. So tickets for our match against Ross County this weekend are still on sale from the ticket office or online at afc.co.uk forward slash e-tickets. If you can't make it to the game, there will be live coverage on Red TV for virtual season ticket holders, Red TV International subscribers and on pay-per-view coverage starts at 2.30pm. Yeah, the matches in the Premiership this weekend on Saturday are all 3pm kickoffs. It's Celtic versus St Johnston, Dundee United versus Dundee, it's Hearts versus Hibs, Livingston versus Motherwell, and on Sunday, St Mirren versus Rangers at midday. And just a reminder, our 22-23 season tickets are now on sale. The price freeze deadline and spreading the cost of your season ticket over 10 months deadline is on the 15th of April. The four-month 0% interest payment plan finishes on the 29th of April and the season ticket renewal deadline is on the 3rd of June. And if you're looking for an evening of entertainment after the season closes, the Longest 40 production company have announced an evening with Ian Jess that will take place on Friday the 3rd of June at the Glenmore Hotel in Inverness, hosted by Ali Begg. Tickets are on sale via Eventbrite. If you just do a search for an evening with Ian Jess, you'll find them on there. I'll be back next Tuesday with a roundup from the Ross County match, whether we are in the top six or not. So join me next Tuesday as normal, 12th of April, for your Dawn's News roundup. Till then, thanks for listening and stand free. That's all for this week. More Aberdeen news next Tuesday evening from 8.